God is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance. Heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. The wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Hallelujah. All right, so we've been talking about friends of God. And I believe that by now we all appreciate what it means to be a friend of God. We spoke about the friend of the bridegroom the friend of the bridegroom and how John the Baptist is the example of the friend of the bridegroom. So he called himself the friend of the bridegroom. And we learned that the friend of the bridegroom is the go-between that makes sure that the bridegroom and the bride are joined together. Hallelujah. And that has to do with the work of doctrine, the work of the word of God, and all the attendant um, efforts by God through his people to get um, those that uh, are looking for him, to get them into that rendezvous point where they get to encounter the Lord. So then it will involve doctrine not just presented as an academic material, but doctrine presented with power. Hallelujah. And presented with power because those that um, need this kind of help are not just people who have a misunderstanding. They are in a form of life or whatever misunderstanding that they have is backed by demonic influence. Hallelujah. So it is not that you present a textbook and you say, read it. And when you read it, you are fine. The presentation of the word of God and everything that has to do with it that, that helps to bring um, what is needed to break free from such influences. It must be done according to the power of God. Amen. Amen. And today, I will emphasize that one a bit as to actually then when the Lord says that we should ask. You see, he says that which of you, when his son asks him for, bread, he will give him a stone. And when he asks him for fish, he will give him a serpent. Or when he asks him for egg, he will give him, what, a scorpion. And how much more will your heavenly father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, this Holy Spirit that we are talking about yesterday, we learned that 
the believer's transformation, when we say you are being transformed and you are obtaining the heart of God and the consequent mind of God, it has to do with the heart that is inclined to the will of God. And the will of God is love for the human race. Is that the case? That is the will of God, love for the human race. So God seeks the good of the human race and the chief good of the human race to which all of the other lower goods that God will seek must conform. The chief good of the human race is that they be transformed and be made into the image and the likeness of God. Hallelujah. So that is the chief good. So to, to come to that place of love in our transformation is to get to the point where we also seek the good of the human race. Amen. And that is what it means to love the neighbor. What it means to love the neighbor. So we, we ought to come there. And when we talk of the, the spirit of God, then it is that divine influence that will enable us bring forth such output. Hallelujah. And so as our heart is converted, we obtain a mind, a wisdom, which is the spirit of God by which we may bring forth the fruits. We may labor on behalf of the Lord for the sake of that which is his will towards the human race. So the Bible says, how much more will your heavenly father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So our asking, even our asking, you see, when we talk of our asking, pray to God, seeking from God, all our asking, when properly put in perspective, has to do with we being empowered so that we may be witnesses. So Jesus, when he spoke about the Holy Spirit, said it, that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? Witnesses. He says that, tarry ye in Jerusalem till you are endued with power from on high. Then when you are endued with power, what will you do? Now you can represent God in the way that will help people have an encounter with him. Amen. Amen. So that even our asking, our asking, when you ask that you want to become something, it is to what end? When you ask that a door be opened unto you, it is to what end? And you know the interesting thing? With the primary will of God being the transformation and the salvation. When I say salvation, I don't mean an altar call, please. I'm talking about that process of salvation. With the primary aim of God being the salvation of the human race, every other good thing that falls beneath it can actually be put in the right perspective such that it relates to the salvation of the human race. In other words, for instance, a good like helping your brother or your sister materially, okay, it's not directly related to their soul, but it is indirectly related to their soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. So now the problem is that we don't see it. The reason why we don't see it is that our chief aim is not the soul of men. When our chief aim becomes the soul, the transformation of the souls of men, 
then we we'll begin to see all the other things that God allows us to engage in in the world. Look at it. If God's aim is that we be transformed, then why did he create food? Do you get it? Why must we? Like, these are not necessary. What do you think? We should just do the thing. Like, let's be transformed. So, like, as we came into the world, it's the word of God that should be here. There should be no trees. There should be nothing. Do you understand that? But everything that is in the world, everything that we get to do, it has an effect on the salvation of souls. And the moment our eyes are open to understand that the most important good to which we must set our heart is the salvation of the souls of men, then we begin to understand why and in what places the other things that we engage in in this life, in what places they fall. So that even when you don't say, okay, me, I have no help to offer you in any other way except to preach to you the gospel. Do you understand that? No, you begin to understand when you have to help somebody in another way, you will see how it relates. For instance, I was talking to you about how I was not well. Even I'm not sure what to say because I have a serious sore truth. You see, so that it's affecting the work of God. Do you understand that? So to be healed in the body is not a bad thing. You see, the last time I told you, even when I was preaching uh, two Sundays ago, some of the critical things, some, some of the things, it requires a, a heightened form of mind action. You get it? And my mind couldn't get there because the way I was feeling, when you are sick, all your mind is drawn into your body. Do you get it? So actually, one of the people that, a group of people that are very carnal is those that are sick. Do you get it? It's not your fault. It's just that the pain and the suffering in the body is so strong that the mind is unable to lift itself to any other place. Do you get it? Yeah. So maybe as I'm talking to you, if I scream a bit now, my mind calms down because I, I'll feel the pain, you get it? Uh -huh. So we, we don't want to be healed just because we think that this body is eternal. You get it? No. We want to be healed because this body is given to us to function here. And when it is not in a good state, it has an effect. You know that it's not even possible for a madman to be regenerated. Do you know that? A madman cannot be regenerated in this earth because the presence of mind they need to receive the word of God, which will inform their action, they don't have it. Do you get it? So for them, it's when they finish, they die here, that they can have some work done on them in the world of spirit. You see? So everything, we need to work, not just because we want people to see that we have worked. We need to work because in the process of working, which has to do with bringing forth natural good, we actually can prepare ourselves to bring forth spiritual good. Do you see? Yeah. So when we are entrusted with the mammon 
that is in this world and we do well with it, then we can be what? Giving charge over the true riches, isn't it? Yeah, so everything has a spiritual implication, but you will not see it if your primary aim is not the salvation of men. Hallelujah. So you realize that then if you love the transformation of men, you'll be like God, whose primary aim was to seek the transformation of all men, but still have created all these things that if you don't understand why they are there, you easily be distracted. You say you can be distracted. You think that this world is so that you become what? You become what? Easy. What, 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 what is this world for? Hallelujah. Yeah. So, it's very important that we appreciate it. So when we talk of the love of God being in our hearts, you see, the love of God which is shed and what in our hearts, it has to do with the desire for the chief good of all men, which is the, the salvation of their souls. And then the subsequent lower goods can now follow. Amen. Yeah. So any man that you meet, your initial thoughts concerning that man should be how much of God through you can be added to that man. Do you see? That's your initial concern. How much of God through you can be added to that man before any other lower thing can be thought of. Amen. That is how we are supposed to think. And this is so important. Jesus actually spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it. I told you to read what I had to put there, even on Sunday, where um, Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. You, you remember that parable and how that um, they asked him what is the greatest commandment and he spoke about to love God and to love the neighbor. And the question was, who then is the neighbor? You get it? You know, he gives the story of a man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that is a transition a person must make with the word of God from knowing the word of God to actually coming to the place where the word of God is alive in him, you see. And he was attacked by robbers. And that is what we have. Men are unable to make the journey with the word of God. Actually, you, you know the interesting thing? For the basic knowledge that a man needs to make the journey towards God, almost all men in this world have it. Actually, not almost all men, except those who are children. Maybe they may not. But all men have it. But the thing is that in our battle against hell, it is not just that you must know something. You must know enough to win the fight. You understand that? So we can see that maybe this man that left Jerusalem to Jericho knew something. But clearly, what the ammunition he had which made him begin his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho was not enough to survive the attack by the robbers. Do you see? Yeah. So, um, on the way he was beaten and all that. Now, people came to pass. When we were young, they explained that there was awful. The Levites said that he stayed for a church service. So he had to go and he didn't have time. Hallelujah. But that, that speaks of a spirituality that 
is unrighteous. And you see, this kind of spirituality, Jesus also spoke about it in Matthew chapter 6, when he says that, do not take thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you will wear. Now, this thing, if you understand the scriptures in the material, you think that what you will eat, what you will drink, and with what you will cover yourself has to do with your food, your drinking water, and your clothes. Now, Jesus is speaking in parable. So what you will eat is actually spiritual. It is spiritual good. What you will drink is spiritual truth. Do you understand that? And the covering is this, uh, the good life. Do you understand that? And, and Jesus was warning against seeking the spiritual things separate from the kingdom of God, which has to do with the rulership of God over the hearts of all men. Do you understand that? In other words, you think that you are being spiritual by checking to see if you are good dharma. But Jesus said that your, your being spiritual should be measured against your seeking the kingdom of God. And he says that the Gentiles seek after these things. In, look at it. You would think that to seek good just for the sake of good and to seek truth just for the sake of truth is something. But this is the nature of the Gentiles. And that is the Levite that came and saw the man moving to Jericho and walked that way. Do you see? What do you think? You don't agree? No, this scripture, you don't understand. I'm explaining it to you. I've actually taught you before, but I don't know if you heard it. So I'm saying it again. Hallelujah. I know that it is, it's a scripture that some of you have used, that if you seek after the kingdom of God, God will supply your needs, right? But Jesus doesn't talk like that. That's not about what you would truly eat. He's talking about what your focus should be in your pursuit of spirituality and what will make your pursuit of spirituality successful and it should be the kingdom of God because that's what God's heart is on the kingdom of God and it's the same as seeking the good of the human race seeking the good of the church because the good of the human race is perceived in the church you see so he says that when you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness now you see and his righteousness says, all these things shall be added unto you. So that is when you truly have the good, which is the food, the truth, which is the understanding, and then the clothing, which is the output. It is when you seek the kingdom. That's when you have these things. So you explain, you talk about the best of the air. It's almost like they don't, the argument is that it's not in your power. These are not the things that you should be looking for. Do you understand that? Yeah, even though that's what you must become. Do you see? So you say that your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Do you get it? And that's what the goodness and the truth and all those things. So, so for example, if you, if you are looking for truth, God is saying that look for truth for the sake of the kingdom. Do you understand that? If it is for the sake of the kingdom, then it is the kingdom you are looking for and God will give you truth. If you are looking to be good, then look for that good or that heart of love for the sake of the kingdom. It means that it is the kingdom that you are looking for and it's righteousness, right? And because of that, then you qualify for that heart. If it is not for the sake of the kingdom, it will not be a good reason. Why do you want to be good? Why do you want to have truth? You find that if it is not for the sake of the kingdom, then 
evil can easily enter. You, if it is not for the sake of the kingdom, you will by all means have an evil reason why you are pursuing these things. And that is why you will not have them. It says the Gentiles seek after this. So this is how the unbelievers, you see, so the one that, it means that the one that is even trying to be spiritual in this manner is an unbeliever. What do you think? You don't like the idea. I'm telling you, some of us, at times, we feel like our efforts at transformation is almost futile. And we somehow think that, oh, it's not possible to overcome. These are some of the reasons why. So when such clarification comes, then we must take it seriously and then use it to adjust our approach. Amen. He says, I take no thought for the morrow. The morrow is your next state. Do you understand that? You remember it, right? Okay. He said, the morrow will take care of itself. We get it. And that's what God expects. You see, because of our selfishness, it's difficult to relate to this understanding. Because why can't I? I want to become spiritual. I want to become spiritual. God says that don't focus on that. Focus on what spirituality means, and that is to seek the kingdom and his righteousness. If I seek these things, won't I then become the signpost? Do you get it? The signpost that directs people to heaven, but me, myself, uh, I don't get there. No. 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 If you seek these things without looking at them in terms of uses in the kingdom, then you will not get there. Do you understand that? Then you will not get there. You will not get there. And then when you read the Psalms, where it talks about how that they were by the rivers of Babylon and they sat down and they wept when they remembered Zion. It says that, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand lose its cunning, right? And it says that, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. Let me die. So if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy, that's the one I want you to look at. You see, Jerusalem must be preferred above your chief joy. You see, this spirituality. That's what it means to seek the kingdom of God. This spirituality. Hallelujah. So the Levite came and passed. So it's not a proper Levite, right? Then there's a Samaritan, the one that is not recognized to have proper spirituality, comes in, does all the things, is in the write-up. If you don't have the write-up, you can look for it. It's on the church page. See? And then puts the guy on his ass, right? And then carried him to the inn. And that's what we do, right? When we meet people in that state, we supply what we know, right? What you know is what you have, um, through your overcoming, have come to know. You get it? You know, Jesus says something. He said, what I say to you in darkness, speak it in light, right? And what I speak to you in the ear, speak it on the rooftop. And that's what we become in our transformation. 
there is a knowledge that is given in darkness, and that is doctrine. And there is a knowledge that is known or spoken in light, and that is what we have come to know as a result of our turning away from evils. Do you get it? That's interior knowledge. Do you get it? And there is also, in the same light, what is spoken into the ear, and that is what is meant for obedience. Now, the housetop is a higher state of a person's life. Do you get it? That's a spiritual state. So you preach it upon the housetop. Now, my point is that putting the guy on their ass is what we have, and that is what we are able to speak in light. Do you get it? And what we are able to preach upon the housetop. So what are you able to preach? What are you able to teach? Do you get it? And that is according to the level that you are, you can be a friend of the bridegroom. You get it? All right. Now, this is very important because there is no power, okay, in your presentation if it is not a presentation being spoken in light or if it is not a presentation being spoken from the housetop. Otherwise, it's just a presentation from the memory. Some of us, um, our teaching of doctrine is not coming out of our experience of doctrine. Do you get it? And because of that, it lacks power. It lacks power. It lacks power is not that uh, there is no wind that blows when you speak. No, there, there are things that are stopping people. There are things, there are demonic activities that are going on. Your preaching must be such that it is able to stop the demonic activities. You see, your efforts must be said that it is able to stop the demonic activities so that the person can think freely for themselves. You see, so you think that it's a speaking, it's a clarification of a point, it's an explanation of the word of God. But that explanation is personal with the words which the Holy Spirit teaches. You get it? It must be spoken with the word with the Holy Spirit, using the words with the Holy Spirit teaches. It means that it will be such words that are able to confront not just the thinking of the one that is hearing, but also the demonic influences that are behind the thinking of that person. That is the word of God spoken in power. Because then it is not just a mere statement. It's not, it's not just a mere information being put forth. It is being communicated in such a way that it has the ability to actually push back, to separate the, 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 the incoming bride from that which is holding her back and now to present her to the bridegroom. Do you understand that? And, and this one, it, it was spoken about concerning John the Baptist, right? He said that he will come in the spirit of Elias, right? So that he would turn, his work is to turn the heart of the fathers onto the children. Now, the father is the source of your life. You get it. And that is your affections. That's the father. And to be a child is to be in a state where you can be led by the Lord now. So it is to turn the will of men into a state where they are inclined towards the will of God now. You understand that? That's to turn the, the heart of the fathers onto the children. If you read it in the letter, it's like fathers don't like their children. Now. It's like those fathers that don't claim their children. So when John the Baptist comes and he preaches, all fathers will go and look for their children that they abandoned. No. Hallelujah. And then what will he do? He said he will bring what? The disobedience 
to the wisdom of the just. Now that's easier to understand, right? Now this is done and to make ready a people, what? Prepared for the Lord. Now that is John the Baptist. And that is the power that John the Baptist had. Jesus said that he was a shining and a burning light. And ye for a season were pleased to rejoice in his light. Do you get it? So when we talk about making sure the word of God reaches people, it's not a canal, natural, just put the word of God out there. It is truth spoken in light. Do you understand that? It involves the turning of the heart of the fathers unto the children. It involves the turning the disobedient unto the wisdom of the just. It involves we being a burning and a shining light. Now, two things, fire that is burning and light that is shining. That is love and wisdom put together. We must be like that in order to be useful. So, for instance, I can't, you need to assess yourself that to what extent can God use you from the spirit, not, not in a material, natural, you say a few things to somebody, but in such a way that the horse of hell can be pushed back in the life of the person. You ask yourself, to what extent can God use you, right? Then it should help you know that maybe then you need to go further in your spiritual development. Because if you meet this man going to Jericho and you find that you must carry him on your own ass, and you, what do you have? Do you get it? Remember, what the, the robbers that have attacked you, what you have should be able to deal with the robbers at least to an extent. Do you get it? And what you have, its power is in your experience of it. Its power is in your experience of it. It means that the word that has transformed you, the word that you have come to know in a deeper way is the word that you can accurately present. The word that has not transformed you, you will not be able to accurately present it. When you present it, it will, you will either be judgmental in your presentation. You see, have you taught somebody the truth and you are judgmental before? It means that you yourself, you don't know the truth well. It, you will also, apart from being judgmental in your presentation, the heart, in terms of the direction that the truth is pointing to, you may miss it. So you may misdirect the, the truth that has a wrong application of truth to a person. And it is because you yourself, you don't know the truth in what it is able to produce. Do you get it? So at times when we feel like we then to teach doctrine is to just remember everything that is taught in church so that you can tell somebody. That will not be a preaching done in power because it will lack the ability to push back against hell because it will not be the words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Do you see? It will be just something that is in your memory that you are bringing up. And you see, that's when people, hey, you see, if somebody doesn't know this, then you must tell them this. Some of you, at times, you are sharing something with people and you come and report, okay, that, hey, this is what happened. The person asked me this and I shared this. The person, and then you realize that, no, that's not what it was about. Do you see? But you were carried away. Have you been carried away in an in quote, argument before? 
Somebody, you are sharing your faith with somebody, and by the time you realize it had turned into something. Has it happened to you before? It's because you don't have an experience of what it is that you are sharing. So you pull everything from your memory. You are not led by the Spirit of God. But if you are led, what, one of the things that will happen is you will be able to discern the heart of the one that you are dealing with. So that it will not be a battle of words. Do you understand that? Because remember, the aim is to push back against the demonic activities that are going on. You get it? That's the aim. And if you're able to discern the heart of the person, then you can address the devils, not the hate devil, but you can speak to the person in a way that addresses the demonic influence. But if you don't, it will be, by the time you are trying to just win, because you have this need to be right. You understand? You have this need to be right. And if you want the person to, to recognize that you are right, but those that have experienced the word of God for themselves, they don't need to be right. They don't even need the other person to be convinced. Some of you, in your preaching and trying to share, you find that your reputation is at stake. You get it? So in your battling to make sure that what you are saying is accepted as truth, the hidden within it is an attempt to maintain a certain reputation. Because if the person, the way the person is going, if they don't accept your message, then they will send you that you are a heretic now, right? What you are preaching, there's no sense in it. So it becomes an attempt to prove yourself. Do you understand? But when you go somewhere with the word of God, you don't need to prove yourself to anybody. Do you understand? That is when you are able to pity the one that is fighting with you. It's not a personal argument. It's not. Hallelujah. And you know, it's the demons behind the person too that will fight you and turn the discussion so the demons know you too. So they will press your own buttons. They will send the person and say, hey! So if you say, who is your pastor? Then you are shaking. What, what do you mean by that? How, how, how do you shake when somebody asks you who is your pastor? How do you shake? Do you see why you shake? <laughs> you shake. You shake. Why will you shake? But if I'm your pastor, is there anything wrong with it? Must the person accept me? But you need the person to accept me, right? So that you will feel comfortable in the sight of the person. No. Who is your pastor saying? So you too, who is your pastor? <laughs> when your heart is set right there, you are wise. Have you seen how as a teacher, that's how it is when your heart is in the right place. You don't fear. So we, you can, the person can send you on a particular path, but your truth will not change. Do you understand? Not because you don't want it to change. You don't know no, sincerely when you speak. What you are trying to explain, that's how it works. Do you see? But if you have not experienced the word of God, it's my word now. So as you are there, it's your connection to me that you are trying to defend. Do you see? Because it's me, my word. Because it's not your word. It's not something you have experienced for yourself. It's not your truth. 
It's me. So in your attempt to share the word of God with people, you are trying to defend the reason why you think I'm right. You get it? No. 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 Hallelujah. Yeah. So to share the word of God, it must come from the place of light. That's why we say we need to overcome, overcome, so you can be a vessel. You understand that? This vessel is so that you can teach the word of God. Now, what the truth is that it's not just the word of God that we can teach in order to contribute to what the Lord is doing, to fulfill the desire of God. But on a basic level, all of us must be able to teach the word of God. You understand that? When it comes to we being organized into a well-oiled machine, even though everybody has the basic ability to share the word of God, then our individual rules now set in. Do you understand that? Uh -huh. But in this period, my focus is on our ability to share the word of God. And we must have that. Amen. Says that what I say unto you in darkness, you must speak it in light. What you hear in the ear, you must speak it on the rooftop. Amen. And that's what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan actually um, put the guy on his own destiny that he was sitting on. And then now he took him to the inn. Isn't that the case? Now the inn is the place where the word of God is preached. Amen. So this is an inn. And this is where the professional, so the, the, you should be able to offer first aid kits. There are the things in your first aid kit. Do you see? Uh -huh. So that's what you offer when you meet um, somebody. You offer first aid. You give it as much as you can. You understand? Uh, maybe you have to stop the bleeding. Because if you don't stop the bleeding, the person will die before you get to the hospital. So you stop the bleeding. You do a quick. If the person can't breathe, you watch that uh, movie where they put a tube in the person's neck. Is there a real thing that can be done? Oh, okay. And then the person now could breathe. So you bring the, the man moving from Jerusalem to Jericho with something sticking out of his neck. You understand? For the time being, do you get it? So it's like you've explained some things. But do you understand that? Uh -huh. Then you bring the person to the inn. The inn is where the person will be taken care of. Do you understand that? Yeah. And that's the church as we meet sliders. So there, a professional will be met. How many of you realize that at times, no matter how you share the word of God, when I share it, it's different? Do you see? Don't belittle your, <laughs> your ability to share the word of God because of that. Do you understand? Well, here when we organize ourselves into professionals, this is my profession. Do you understand that? Where I stand is different from where you stand. Now, it does not mean that, hey, then, hey, okay, 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 it's okay. No, you keep trying. Do you understand that? But because of my role, most likely, if I am to follow God, I, I, you don't have to be able to catch me. Do you get it? If I don't follow God, then you, 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 it will happen like that. So at times you, you feel like, hey, then you don't need to speak. No, you speak. This you speak, you teach, you help somebody come to an understanding where they are. But you also have to appreciate the need for the person to receive a more professional help. You understand that? And so that's why you are brought to church here. You see, not because we want anything from you. 
here, professional help comes in. So after you come here, we say deep things and say, hey, oh, then stay, sit down and listen. You understand? Because these are the things you need to, if you enter a place and you know all that they are teaching there, it's a sign you should not be there, most likely, right? Because then, what will you gain? You see? So if you come to a place and you need to, hey, this one there is mine, but then that's, you should sit down and try and understand. So this man sends the guy to the inn and then promises that he'll come and sort out the rest of the things. Okay. Now, Jesus then asks a question. Okay. That who was neighbor to the Samaritan? This is the, this is the <laughs> problem of the day. <laughs> See, this is one of the parables that is almost like Jesus was making the attempt to make us miss the point. Because if you follow that, nah, you will begin to think that, okay, then the man moving from Jerusalem to Jericho is the neighbor, right? So it means that that's the neighbor. But Jesus asked the question, which of these three thinkers that was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? So the one that fell among the thieves is not the neighbor. The neighbor is one of the three people. They understand that. Right? So now, the neighbor is who? The Samaritan. And remember, the initial thinking is that you must love the neighbor. So the message is not to love the one that was beaten by robbers. The message is to love the one that looked after the one that was beaten by the robbers. And this is an important thing. This is an important thing. Because in the scriptures, neighbor is God first. God is primarily neighbor. My point is that the neighbor is the good itself, okay? That must be done. Let me put it that way. Now, if you love the Samaritan as the neighbor, then you would love to do what he did. Do you understand that? Please, you understand that? And that is to love God. Do you get it? If you love God, then you must do what God is doing. That's why we say that to love the neighbor is to love the good in the neighbor or to love the good that must be done to the neighbor. Do you get it? Where do you pick that good from? You pick it from the Lord. Please understand that. You pick that good from the Lord. So the good is what you must love. The good that must be done. And that is what the Samaritan represents. Amen. That's what the Samaritan represents. So what must you love? You must love the fact that when you meet somebody that is in dire need of understanding because they are unable to make their spiritual journey without it, you must love the fact that knowledge or understanding must be supplied to the person. When you meet somebody that has been attacked by devils, you must love the fact that those devils must be driven away from the life of the person. Yes, you must love the idea the person will be carried into the place where the person will be fed consistently. These are the things you must love. And this is what pertains to the kingdom of God. This is what pertains to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But my main point here is in the fact that you should be able to supply something. Like the Bible says that God comforts us in our tribulation. 
so that with the same comfort with which he comforted us, we also will be able to comfort others. So if you are going to comfort somebody, you comfort the person with your own experience of God's comfort when you were in tribulation. You understand that? And that is what the word of God has been able to produce in your life. If you're able to do that, then what you do will carry power. Hallelujah. Then what you do will be able to carry power. So now, if we understand that all of our focus in our spiritual transformation must be that we become vessels of God. Okay? Yesterday we learned it. The whole idea is that we become vessels of God, right? Then when we are there and we are seeking God, you see, what about your transformation? Let me, let me explain something about transformation. Some of you don't do this. And because of that, again, your spiritual pursuits are affected. Your every spiritual overcoming must be accompanied with praying. Okay? Like what the Bible said, that when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile back, right? But what did he do? He committed his soul unto God, right? Yeah, so that second part is necessary. Please, that second part is necessary. Some of us, when we are trying not to give in to evil, all that we are doing is that I won't give it, I won't give it, I won't give it. Then eventually it becomes about us. Do you understand? It becomes about us. That is, again, seeking for good. Seeking for uh, what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear, and not seeking the kingdom. Now, when you are not yielding, what you should be doing is to be seeking the Lord concerning what you must have as you are not yielding. Do you understand? By the song, Lord, I want to be more like you. Jesus. Now, there's a prayer that must accompany your attempt to turn away from evil. Do you understand? Because you want to be a vessel. I want to be a vessel. You work true. Lord, I want to be more like you. So you want, to, you want to be that vessel. That is why you are turning away from evil. Please understand that. You want to be one who is able to represent God. That is why you are turning away from evil. Please understand that. So that must always be the case. So that then it is because you are seeking to become something for the sake of the kingdom of God. That is why you are not yielding to evil. This is what will make your not yielding successful. Hallelujah. This is what will make your not yielding successful. And it will not make your not yielding to sin about you. It will be about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So your aim should always be that you be presented as a vessel that is pure and fit for the master's use. That should be your aim. Amen. So that being the case, then one of the things that should also be on your mind Okay, in relation to the same thing, it's then how to, it's the same as being the vessel. Now we are going to the friend of the bridegroom. How to have the ability to be the friend of the bridegroom. Remember, the friend of the bridegroom is not a work. Do you know what was said about John the Baptist? 
He said, the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Hallelujah. Some of us maybe are thinking that this, that then this work of John the Baptist, no, oh yeah, fala. Do you understand? No, and yet fala, it requires power. Do you understand that? So with those of us who know truth, listen to this, with those of us who know truth in our memory, the temptation is to think that, oh, then we can preach the truth. Do you understand that? But the reason why we want the truth to affect us is that in the truth affecting us, we gain the power that we need to actually discharge our duties as friends of the bridegroom. Hallelujah. My point is that if we are going to successfully become the friends of the bridegroom, then we need power. Amen. And our overcoming should actually be focused on getting the power that we need in order to be friends of the bridegroom successfully. Now, because of our natural or carnal understanding of power, this is that I'm saying, hey, no. Remember, to be a successful vessel is to have power because the vessel is supposed to discharge a particular duty, which is to um, link the bridegroom to the bride. Do you understand that? There is an ability with which that duty is performed. Hallelujah. It is that ability that makes the friend of the bridegroom the friend of the bridegroom. Please you understand that? For instance, when Jesus said that, tarry ye in Jerusalem till you are endued with power from on high. That is salvation. That is salvation. Amen. Because what does it mean to tarry ye in Jerusalem? The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord, right, they shall renew their strength. Now what does it mean to wait upon the Lord? To wait upon the Lord is like the one that is providing service. Do you get it? Like, like a waiter. Do you get it? It's not like it's not baby, not witty. And I say, I don't know what you call wait upon the Lord. But to wait upon the Lord is to actually obey God. Okay. And, and that is what it also means to tarry in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem speaks of the word of God. To tarry in Jerusalem is to perform sacrifices. Hallelujah. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and what? Acceptable. Why would the Lord find your body acceptable? So that your body now offered as a sacrifice and is now holy will become a body that the Lord can function through, right? Is that the case? Yeah. So now to tarry in Jerusalem, to tarry in Jerusalem is in Isaiah being called waiting upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Please understand that. So tarry in Jerusalem till you are endued with power. Now this power is what Jesus is also calling the Spirit of God. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So if to tarry in Jerusalem is to actually apply yourself to the Word of God and be transformed by the Word of God, then the outcome of such transformation is a powerful person. You understand that? Now that power is to do what? 
What is it supposed to do? It's so that you can be a witness. You understand that? The Bible says that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained what? Strength. Now, who are the babes and the sucklings? They are those that have tarried in Jerusalem. They are the converted ones. Please you understand that? So what has he that He has ordained strength. Because of who? The enemies of God. It is this strength that we look for. That's what it means to be endued with power from on high. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Hallelujah. Please you understand that. So that is the strength that we look for. That's the strength that we look for. So when we are tarrying in Jerusalem, when we are fighting to obey the word of God, what we are looking up to the Lord for is that we be fit as vessels. We be fit. That's vessels with power. That means that we are fit to carry out the use and to get the results. Because power is ability. Hallelujah. So to have the ability to perform the duties of the friend of the bridegroom is to have power. Please understand that. And that ability means that that which is contrary to the results that the power seeks to achieve is also pushed aside by that same power. So our own effort with the word of God puts us in the situation where we can perform our duties in God with power. Amen. Please understand that. So when you are trying to overcome, when you are trying to apply yourself to the word of God, you should be thinking about power, ability. Hallelujah. It also means that when you are there in your praying, when you are there in your praying, one of the major things you should be praying about is that God will grant you the grace to be the friend of the bridegroom. God will grant you the grace to be useful in his kingdom. This prayer is not a prayer that will be answered there when you pray. But it's a prayer that must be on your mind that will make you apply yourself to the word of God in the right way. If you will not touch what is evil, it is so that you can stand before God ready as a soldier to be sent out. So if your prayer constantly is that God will send you forth as a soldier, when evil comes for you to touch, you will remember that you are the one that seeks to be a soldier for God. And this one will stand in the way of your training as a soldier. And actually, the evil that is there, if you are able to turn away from it, it serves as your preparation to stand before God to be released as a soldier, to be released as a weapon. Hallelujah. Do you know what the Bible said concerning Jeremiah, which also is concerning you? Because he was a prophet, one that carried the word of God. So you are my battle axe huh? and my weapons of war. Wow. And that's what we also must become. So when we are there, when we are there, huh? when we are there, that is what we must be seeking. That we may be well placed to be the battle axe of God and to be the weapons of war. Hallelujah. What did he say? Therefore, with thee will I break in pieces the nations. Hallelujah. Nations represent evils. <laughs> and that's what we go to do in the lives of people when the Lord sends us. That's when we meet people. The reason why the person has not made spiritual progress is because an evil stands in the way. And there is a word in your mouth. 
you know what the Bible says concerning Jesus? That the Lord God has given to me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season unto him that is, when you know a word in season, unto him that is weary. That word is not an empty word. It's not just mere information put forth. It is a word that penetrates and deals with the demonic influences. The aim is to make the person free so that now they can make a good decision for God. Hallelujah. And if you go well uh, as the battle axe of God, as the weapons of war belonging to God, then the nations which are the evil spirits connected to that person can be smashed in the process. Hallelujah. That is our duty. Our duty is to do whatever it will take for that encounter, for the person to encounter the bridegroom. Now, the miracle is in the encounter, right? So, it's the encounter with the bridegroom is where the real miracle takes place. That's where the real change, the real transformation takes place. Do you understand that? Do you know the Bible talks about how that John did not perform a miracle? It's not because God said, you, you will not perform a miracle. It's because he was the friend of the bridegroom. Hallelujah. It's not that, oh, we will not heal the signal. That's not the kind of miracle that those things signify. It's an internal transformation, which is the Lord's work alone. But our work is to do all the things that will facilitate such a transformation including pushing back against the horse of hell. So one of the things that we get to do is to play the role of intercessors, right? Actually, isn't that the work of the friend of the bridegroom? And this time, intercessors in prayer, where we offer help, a helping hand, where we push back against that which is overwhelming the person. Hallelujah. Not because God has not sinned. No. It is because that domain is the domain of the friend of the bridegroom. In other words, God, in your prayer and in your intercession, uses you as that must, right? Because his influence must be brought to bear in the life of the person that you are praying for. His influence must be brought to bear, right? But it is in the domain of the friend of the bridegroom. So the friend of the bridegroom now must become that mass that broadcasts the signal. You understand that? So intercession is to generate a strong spiritual sphere that has an impact on the life of the one that you are praying for, without which God himself could not have that impact directly. Do you understand that? Yeah. So when we say we must go into a closet and pray for men, then normally... When you seek the transformation of men, that's where you start from. Because we are in the flesh, it is not always obvious what we can do to actually get a person out. It's not obvious to us. It's not obvious what we can say. Out of the numerous things, what is the words that the Holy Spirit is teaching? Right? But, but we want to, be, want to have power, right, in that activity. But which of the things that when we do, will actually carry the ability to bring about the change that God is looking for. And at times we don't know, but we can generate it. Now, not knowing, there's, there are two kinds of not knowing. There's a not knowing 
That is because you know that it is tied within your spirit, but your natural mind is not aware. And for anything that is in your spirit to become um, expressed outwardly, your natural mind must also conform. Do you understand that? Then there is a knowing that is not even in your spirit because your spirit is unconverted. Do you understand that? Now, both of them can be sorted out in prayer. The first one, which is the knowing that is in your spirit by your natural mind, must become aware. When you enter prayer for the person in intercession, what will happen is that God will begin to now make you aware. Do you understand that? As to what to do in intercession. So out of that intercession, seeking the good and generating the spiritual sphere, you also have things that you can do. You have words that you can speak to the person. You understand that? And then you rise and go in the power of those words. But there's the second one where you yourself are unconverted. So you, you may find that you are even making an intercession for somebody and all that you have is that pastor said we must pray for people. You understand that? That's not enough. Have you seen? It's not enough. It's not enough. You tell, oh, I pray for this person. I pray for but You said the prayer is outside. Your heart is not after the same thing. It means that you yourself need conversion. You understand that? So if you allow yourself, God may now lead you on the path that you will get to see exactly what you yourself you need to repent of. Hallelujah. Then you can come back to the first one, which is to now know in the external or in the natural mind what it is that God wants you to do. The attack that because you are already boiling, which is also the next one, is to be on fire all the time. See, so to not want to entangle ourselves in civilian affairs, it's not, especially if you teach some of these things and you don't realize it, it's because we are soldiers. See, no way we don't think of it, we are fighting. You understand that? And that's what the kingdom of God is. That's what it means to be Christian. We are fighting. You see? So because we are fighting and we don't know what enemy is coming, you understand? We don't want to entangle ourselves in certain things that um, brings down our spiritual judgment and does not allow God to easily function through us. So we separate ourselves from things. We keep ourselves clean. We separate ourselves from evil because we know that we are meant for good works so that we can be on fire all the time. And that one is to separate yourself from evil, right? Then there's also the, the constant engagement of yourself in prayer. As a soldier, that stands ready because not, the things must not just be in your spirit. They must come out into your natural thinking. Well, that is where then there is a union between the, your internal man and your external man. That way, the power that is trapped within you can now be, set, be let loose. You, you get that. So you give yourself also to prayer and to studying and to thinking and meditating on what God is doing. And to constantly, <laughs> is it too many things? To constantly wish for thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the God. Like, because that's it. When you look at life, what do you see? That roads must be built. Do you see? Say, oh, but isn't that a good thing? You see, you don't get the point. You must see something greater than that. Then roads being built becomes the lower things. Do you understand? Because we have to go and come, even as we seek the salvation of the souls of men. And those souls themselves must also go and come. 
Hallelujah. Yeah. So then your mind must constantly be on the work. That's your prayer. You understand? That's your prayer. So your every overcoming is tied to the work. Your every overcoming is tied to the desires of the bridegroom. His desire towards his bride. Your every overcoming is to make yourself available. And to also engage in spiritual things to the point where you are constantly ready. And the inward things are always outward. You don't have to travel far to, to touch what is inward. Hallelujah. You don't have to travel far to touch what is inward. So we pray for power. Amen. We pray for ability. We know that that ability is in our transformation. Do you understand that? And we engaging in the spirit. Like John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So we must be in the spirit in order for what we have gained through transformation to be brought to the fore. So that's what is on our mind. We need power. Because if the friend of the bridegroom's aim, right, is to do the bidding of the bridegroom, which is in everything that involves organizing the marriage and making the marriage happen. Then the next thing that the, the friend of the bridegroom should be thinking about is the power to do it. Right? Yeah, the power to do it. The power to do it. And that must concern us. Hallelujah. That must concern us. And I've shown us what that power is. And I've shown us that our transformation is to come to that power. That's why we must seek the kingdom of God in our transformation. Hallelujah. Engaging ourselves stirs up that power as we have come to that power in our overcoming, in our own transformation. To engage ourselves in prayer and spiritual activity, meditation, and considerations of how we may discharge our duties as friends of the Bible. It brings this power to the fore. So everything that will involve making that power or that grace available. You know what the Bible said about the apostles? Say that with great power gave the apostles witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just a witness. It's a witness that must be done with grace power. Great power. You know what it said? Great grace was upon them all. This great grace is what we are looking for. Hallelujah. This great grace is what we are looking for. This power huh, to give witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that is what we are looking for. So they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's what we are also looking for. Hallelujah. The Bible said concerning Jesus, when he came out of the wilderness, say he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he finished the temptation, he came in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He came in the power of the Holy Ghost after the temptations. And that is what we must also have. 
to go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost as men and women who have been sent to do the bidding of the bridegroom, to make sure that the will and the heartbeat of the bridegroom is fulfilled, to go in the power of the Holy Ghost, to go in the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Jesus called the disciples and then gave them power over unclean spirits. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he did what? He gave them power against unclean spirits. Hallelujah. And that's what we go to do, right? We give them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sicknesses. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's what Jesus gave to his disciples. He gave them power against unclean spirits. So there's a decision that we'll give ourselves to be friends of the bridegroom, right? Now, with that decision must also come the prayer that we may be endowed with that power, with that grace. Great grace was upon them. Hallelujah. And if you have been overcoming, the reality is that there is already a deposit of that grace within you. There's already a deposit of that power within you, that spirit within you. So your prayer that you may come to the place of power will unleash that spirit to the fore. You understand that? And for some of us to, and actually this one will involve all of us because no matter what you have in you, there is still more to have. You understand that? In order to be more useful. So then our prayer will also mean that we are willing to give ourselves to overcome so that we may be prepared, hallelujah, in a greater way may be prepared in a greater way. So, you know, all the things that we tell ourselves we want to be, you see, it is so that we can stand as soldiers for God. You see, so we, so we sing a song like, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on hand. So that what? Vain stable Oh, so we just be happy and look at ourselves and feel that are we we are something now. Now that means that you are a gentile. If we want to stand on higher ground, it means I want to express God from that higher ground. Have you met a situation where you want to help, but your capacity is small? Have you seen it before? So if you turn back in the day of battle, then your strength is small. He said, no. There's a certain faith that is required. Like the disciples, one man brought his lunatic son that they should cast out that devil. They tried. Do you understand? They tried. And I'm sure they were able to do some other things. Other than that, the man wouldn't bring them. Maybe one person brought a deaf person healed. So he said, oh, then my lunatic child I can bring him, right? And then when they came from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., they did, they, they, they formed a prayer team. They circled around him. 
Those days that we used to join deliverance team, one devil in somebody can take our whole day. You baby, they are sweating. Hey, it's a prayer meeting. You have a partner, and it's because something manifested, and from like 8 p.m. to 2, p. 2 a.m., the leader was in the middle, and we are surrounded. The leaders, we were sweating. Oh, I remember, I remember a lot. And the leader took comes out very dirty because on the phone, no need the morning. Hey! So this is what the disciples did. And at times we will see that we will finish all this and it's not done, you see. But we have to go home. You see, so this, this same thing happened. So the man said, hey, stop. Let me send my child to Jesus. So when Jesus met, he complained. Uh, and he complained about their faith. What do you think? And, and you see, me, these are the things that, honestly, this is what overcoming is to me. When you meet things that you say, no, this one, your spirit is not able to rise above it. You know that you have to go and overcome more. You understand that? Yeah, what, what else would you want to overcome? In your view, aside, what else? I don't know anything. Why else? Well, if you make anything, there is it, it will be evil. Find out. Actually, in God's kingdom, to want to just be a good person is evil. Because a good person is not just a good person, but one that seeks the spiritual good of the other person. So you can't be a good person isolated from seeking the spiritual transformation of your neighbor. It's not possible. So then you said there's selfishness in that good that you want to become. So it's not good anymore. So they sent him to Jesus. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. Oh, they should, they should have a certain faith they don't have. And there you don't have it. You understand that? You don't have it. And that faith you come into through your overcoming. You come into that faith through overcoming. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. <laughs> so I'm sure the disciples were following. To this evening, this man go do long talk. <laughs> we are not living today. Let's go. So he cast the demon out. Now let's go to where the disciples came and asked him why he couldn't cast, why they couldn't cast that thing out. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. <laughs> and sometimes that, that's one of the things that should constitute your praying. There's a lot. You know, you, you go as you want to be a soldier for God. You understand that? But <laughs> by the time you are returning, you are not sure. You see, you feel like you are as evil as the person that you try to go and help. Huh? And some of us will not be honest. We will say the person is bad, the person is bad. You understand? But you to see yourself, look at yourself and how that thing went. 
Some of you, you'll be led astray. Some of you, you have a very strong desire to be perceived as a good person. And that's what the enemy used against you in your attempt to be a soldier. So I come with that desire to be a good person. And oh, oh, I've seen that you're a very good person. Oh, you're really a nice person. I even like the way you are speaking to me in a nice way. You are God, in the next phase of the conversation, God wants to rebuke the person. <laughs> but the enemy has loved you. Because like, well, now that they say you're a nice person, hey! You want to preserve that, so you continue along that niceness. You see, no wonder you go the following day and the person doesn't want to meet you again. Because it didn't work. So your own desire to be loved is what has been used against you, right? So Jesus is saying that, look, there's a way. So this kind come forth by nothing, but what? Prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. Prayer and fasting is the spiritual summary of overcoming. Hallelujah. To pray is to seek God, right? To fast is to separate yourself from the things that stand in the way of seeking God. That's the spiritual meaning of fasting. So that is you turning away from evil and seeking God in the process. Before it comes to do it, do it. Do, you cannot eat, not eat, and not eat, and meet a devil if the proper not eating is not put in its place. Do you understand? Disciple can fast for, for days and encounter something in the spirit, and they'll think it's God. But because their heart was set on evil in the fast, see, to fast doesn't mean that your heart is right. Fast, to fast, that's to not eat, doesn't cater for your heart. You must fast in the heart before you can. Your fast on the outside will actually yield something. Do you understand that? So this fasting is the fasting of overcoming. Amen. He says that this one, that's how I go. So he said you meet that situation and the message is that you need to consecrate yourself further. Do you understand that? And, and you know, if you also play with your life and you keep negotiating away, the opportunity for consecration, you find that you are surrounded by these problems that your consecration was supposed to solve. You get it? And it's like in the lives of those people, where is God? There is no God. Meanwhile, you are that Jonah that was sent. Hallelujah. But you decided to divert your course and take a ship that is going to Tarshish. You see? So you will find that the many issues, the many troubles people are in spiritually, it is because the men that could consecrate themselves to be the go-between, to arrange a meeting between the people and their bridegroom, which is the Lord, those men are also not in the capacity to do so because they have failed to consecrate themselves, to carry the power that will allow them to do that kind of work. Hallelujah. So we can look at ourselves, right? And we can look at the effect of we playing around and thinking that Christianity is just to sit in church, uh, sing and walk outside and behave like we don't know God. We, we, can, we can know what is really happening when we negotiate the opportunity to do away with evil. When we negotiate the opportunity to break away from our addictions and the evils that we hold on to, thinking that it won't do anything, right? Tomorrow, 
we would overcome or we'll try again next time, not knowing that it has sent you further back and kept you further away from being the vessel through whom God will establish his kingdom in the life of others. See, so with every negotiation, it's also your giving up of the ability to be a higher grade soldier, a soldier with greater capacity, controlling greater weapons with which the enemy will be vanquished, with which the enemy will be pushed back, with every giving in to evil, with every allowing uh, evil in us to thrive, loving ourselves and loving the world to thrive, to give room, to make room. Anytime we are trying to make room for this, uh, these evils, we are at the same time doing away with our training to become soldiers who are capable of fulfilling the will of God and standing up for the kingdom of God. We are forfeiting that. So you always must link your overcoming to your being a soldier. Other than that, you will have no desire to overcome. You want to overcome because in church we say we should overcome. But if you see that there is a charge to keep, there is a God to glorify, and there is a never dying soul to save, then you know that this is what is on the heart of God. This is what God lives for. Then it is also okay if you live for that. And if you die to self, so that you can live unto God in this capacity. It is okay. But if you don't see that way, you will always feel like it's about you. It's about, oh, they say we should give up evil. It's like the one who trains without anything coming up. You are not training for anything. You will stop the training. When you don't feel like training, what is your motivation? You understand that? To those that go to the gym to train, when they don't feel like training, they remember the girl that they will not get. Yes, because some of them train for girls. So that is their motivation to wake up every morning and to drag themselves to the gym. Have you watched that man that comes like this? <laughs> he came and kicked the guy's pizza. I'm sure the guy did not see what was going on. He's like, he's trained, but he has forgotten why he's trained. So he was ready to take a pizza. They understand that. Yeah, sometimes we, we don't know why we are training. We don't know the fast. We don't know why we must give ourselves to the word of God. We don't know why we must uh, be successful in turning away from evil. So when we come to church, you think it's just about us, right? And it's about what we as a church, we frown upon. No. Nobody is after you. It's about your being a good soldier. And if we are interested in your life, it is because it is not enough that only one person or a few people stand as good soldiers. That's one of the things that comes up when you are concerned with the kingdom of God. You see, like Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. So one thing that you easily recognize, you will always recognize it, is that the laborers are few. So to desire that others will also join the labor, the labor of souls, it's actually righteousness. If you don't desire that, there's a problem with your righteousness. There are some of you like this. You don't desire the opportunity to be placed in a situation where you labor for souls. So I don't want to be a pastor. I don't, I'm not saying if you're a pastor, then you can do it. But a pastor is an office for such a purpose. It's an administrative office for such a purpose, right? I said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be. It's a sign that you are unspiritual. 
<laughs> Must we all be like that? What work do you want to give yourself to? That is more important than being able to touch the souls of men. And in the church, it's one thing that happens that through the grace of God, the church system is organized so that within it, we distribute work. Do you see? So if you have opportunity to do that, why not? Why would you throw it away? It's not as if it will stop you from doing any other thing. Do you understand? But some, some of us don't want to do that. It means that we are unspiritual. It means that there's a problem. And when people say that, I know what the problem is. The problem is not so. Maybe you tell them, oh, it's good to be a shepherd. It's good to be a shepherd. Do you see? If you don't, if you yourself, you are unconverted, that's, that's your message to such people. But if you yourself are spiritual, you will understand that their problem is that they are unconverted. So it's not like you must make the role of a shepherd or something attractive. So you set out trying to let them see how attractive it is. You have a problem. There's an evil in the heart, and that evil must be confronted. There's a selfishness at play. That's why they can't explain why they are not willing. Do you see? You can't explain. Hallelujah. Oh, you can't explain. All your reasons are not good and you know. So you won't bring it out. Hallelujah. Yeah, but every overcoming is to place us in that position where we can be useful. Other than that, why will you overcome? See, when we get to know that that's what we must do, we try to do things we say we can't, right? Then God begins to show us what our problem is. So all the time, our problem is being dealt with so that when we try, this time we will find that we can do it. Do you get it? Yeah, for instance, my being a pastor to my preaching to the power in my preaching is not in my ability to shout. It's not even in the things I know that you don't know. Because that in itself is not power. Do you understand? But the power is in my own consecration. Do you understand that? The power is in my own consecration. It's in my own conversion. And that power will increase to the extent that I give myself more and more to consecration. Do you understand that? That's how it is. That's how it is. And isn't it worth it? That's what Paul said, that death worketh in us so that life may work in you. Do you see? It's in the work of God. The desire of the bridegroom towards the bride is enough for you to let death work in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's enough. So we are looking for power. May the Lord help us. Amen. 